0: Welcome to the Equippers Church Budapest podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check equipperschurch.ag. Tonight we are going to conclude. We're going to finish our awaken series. How many were blessed during the awaken series? Yeah um yeah, I'm going to I'm just going to talk about um, a simple message that I in, that I entitled five words for this season I couldn't find a better title I'm so happy at least one person laughed It is allowed to laugh in this church it's actually legal five words for this season so help me out can you say this with me I don't really have Uh, A presentation for tonight, so you guys are my PowerPoint. Five words for this season. Let's say this together. Five words for this season. Thank you so much. I'm going to take you to uh, the book of Acts chapter 9. The book of Acts chapter 9. And we will uh, read uh, just one verse. Uh, It is actually one of my favorite scriptures in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9 verse 31. This is what the Bible says. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. You know, I believe that for us as the church. This is something that the Holy Spirit is awakening us to in this season. We've had a difficult season. How many of you would agree? You know, two weeks ago, we passed the 100th Sunday since the beginning of the pandemic. And I want to say, good job, guys. We've been through 100 weeks of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's been difficult for everyone, objective reasons. And I want to say well done. But I also believe that God is actually doing something fresh and something new in us and through us in this city. I believe that there is a new season coming And I believe that I'm speaking that prophetically, that God actually has a new chapter, a new season for us as a church, as a community of believers, as a spiritual family in this city. And here are five things in this passage that I want to unpack for us. Uh, Before I go into that, let me just give you a bit of a background. In this very chapter, chapter 9, we actually see... One of the greatest conversion stories in the Bible. It's a story that changed a personal history of one man. A man that used to be called Saul, but after this story, he gets a new name. He's called Paul. We know him as Paul the Apostle. In the beginning of this chapter, he is actually persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. He's actually causing trouble to the church of Jesus Christ. He's putting them to prison. And at one occasion, at least, he was one of the witnesses of actually killing, martyring a Jesus follower called Stephen. And all of a sudden, as Saul is on the way to the capital of Syria called Damascus, he is actually hit by the power of God. I love the way how God does it. Saul encounters Jesus on his journey. And his life is shockingly transformed in three days. At the end of those three days, he's baptized, he is healed, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so someone who used to be the troublemaker, the persecutor, is now a called. One, an apostle of Jesus. And what happens is, Paul starts preaching, he starts witnessing, he starts evangelizing, reaching out right away. This is a good thing. Paul becomes a witness of Jesus right away. And so he starts preaching about Jesus, the same Jesus that he had just spoken against. And he has persecuted up to that point. And as he does that, it does not look very trustworthy. So the church in Damascus and in also in uh, Judea and Galilee and Samaria are actually worried. Because they can't trust him yet. And so what happens is a uh, is, is a period of three years of this new... Christian called Saul who goes into the desert of Arabia. And we find Saul for three years actually hidden in the desert. We we don't have many details what was happening there, but we know that it's the same desert where Moses had spent years and where he actually saw the glory of God. It is also the same desert where Elijah actually encountered the presence of God, and where he was transformed. And now Saul is in the same place, and God is preparing him. He is changing him to become just a new person and a man of God. After this is happening, the brothers, the other apostles, they sent him back to Paul's hometown called Tarsus. And again, we don't know much about this period, other than he spent probably 10 years in the city of Tarsus. How interesting that before God would use Paul to do mighty things, he has to go back to his hometown and be a witness in his own environment. How many of you know this is one of the most difficult things? So three years in the desert and then 10 years in his hometown before he actually starts his mission trip. And as he leaves, now the scripture speaks, as he leaves the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace. Now it wasn't necessarily because Paul was gone, like yeah, Paul is gone, finally we have peace. It was more because the persecution stopped. And now finally there is a season of peace. So here are the five words. The first one is the church had peace. Okay, peace is the first word. It was the first word for the church in the book of Acts. And I believe it's also the first thing that God has for us in this season. Uh, You know, I was actually thinking about this, the book of Acts. Um, actually speaks the story of the first generation of the church, roughly 30 years. If you read the book of Acts, it actually took 30 years for those events to take place. From uh, the resurrection of Jesus and and, uh, the descending of the Holy Spirit, all the way to um, Paul being executed. Roughly 30 years, three decades of church life. You know, it's roughly my time in ministry. I've been in ministry almost 30 years now. So it speaks volumes to me. You know, sometimes when you read the book of Acts, those miracles and signs and wonders, they like jump out from the page. There's miracles and healings and just powerful stories. But we have to keep in mind that they actually happened over the course of three decades. And the church actually went through um, a lot of uh, glory times and testimonies and wonders. But they also went through a lot of persecution and trial. And I guess if I look back into my own life and my own experience, I've seen both. I've seen the amazing breakthroughs and amazing testimonies, and you guys are some of those. And I've also seen the difficult seasons, the desert place, the tough times, the the shocks in in the stories, and the, the seasons that actually make us. But I believe that just as it was with Paul the Apostle, and the church of Jesus Christ in this story. God has a season of peace for us. And church, this is just the beginning of this year. I want to say that prophetically over us. I declare a season of peace in Jesus name for us. I believe that there is like turning the page. Yes, we've been through difficult two years. But but let me say, I really believe that God has a season of Peace, you know, peace through Jesus, it doesn't mean like easy times. It actually means the presence of God revealed. Can you receive that? A season of peace. An atmosphere that prepares the space for God's visitation. That is what I'm believing for. That is my first word. The church enjoyed a season of peace. Now the second thing that we hear that we hear about is that the church actually in, enjoyed a a construction season. The church was built up. Uh, the word that's uh, used here is a Greek word called oikodomeo, which actually means building a house. It was a construction season, and. For us, the translation is that the church was actually built up. Um, You know, um, it's interesting, but those areas remembered the ministry of Jesus Himself. Jesus actually had traveled those regions Himself. They saw the wonders. They heard the messages. And now, a few years later, all of the sudden, the fruit is coming forth. The harvest is beginning to be seen. The church is being built up. Now, what does that mean? It means that the disciples are being made. People are being called to ministry. Leaders are being equipped. They have experienced growth and pressure. And now there is time for Building the church. You know, it's very difficult to build anything when it's a crisis. During crisis season, it's impossible to build something. You need peace for the building part. You need a season of peace for something to be actually constructed. You know, I think of... The, the story in the Old Testament when David, King David, he had a huge dream to build a temple for God. It was his vision. It was his dream. But God told him, hey, you are a man of war. You cannot build a temple, but your son will actually enjoy a season of peace and he will build a temple for me. There's going to be a, a change of seasons. And because a season of peace will come, construction will happen. And it was the same in this season. Persecution is over. There is a pause button on persecution. And it will be a time of building up the church. Now, I believe this is the second thing God has for us as the church this year. Can you say amen to that? There is a season of construction. God is going to build us up. He's going to build you up. You are going to grow as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. Some of you are growing to, uh, some of you are going to grow as leaders. God is going to put His finger on you and challenge you to be equipped, step into uh, places of influence and leadership and ministry, and He is going to equip you for that. I love this. You know, you know uh, God doesn't see just a group of people here. He sees a group of influencers, His disciples, those that are changing the culture. Those that, that are His powerful witnesses in the city. And He's going to build you up this year. Somebody give Him praise. <clears throat> so, the first thing was the church um, had peace. The second thing, the church was built up. Here's number three. The church, the Bible says, lived in the fear of God. The church lived in the fear of God. Now, I'm going to have to pause here for a second and explain. You know, as New Testament Christians, we do not come before Jesus in fear. We don't come to God the Father in fear. The Bible says that we have Received favor. We have received grace. He welcomes us. We don't have to deserve anything. We don't have to prove anything to Him. It would be, it would be impossible anyway. Uh, so what actually living in the fear of the Lord means is actually honoring God. Living in the fear of God actually means honoring Him. As a church, we honor Him in our midst. We honor His presence in our midst. Uh, Living in the fear of the Lord actually means that we respect Him. We respect His presence. You know, I I honor my wife and that actually means uh, I'm not going to do anything to hurt her feelings. At least not... Purposefully, I'm going to do my best to avoid that. And it's the same with God, because I love Him, uh, I have the fear of God, meaning I honor Him enough not to do anything that hurts Him. So fear or reverence is an attitude towards God in which we are aware of our full utter dependence on Him. It means that Jesus, I need you fully and I honor you in my life. I put you first in my life. We have a respect for the presence of God. You know, that is the most beautiful thing we have the presence of God. The fact that Jesus shows up here is the most beautiful thing. If he wasn't here, this would be just, you know, a show. You could go to any type of show in the city, there's many of them tonight. But because Jesus is in the house, and because we value His presence, because we appreciate His presence, we revere Him, we recognize His presence in the house. That is what makes the difference. We have a respect for His Word. We let Him speak to us. We give Him room to challenge us, to change us, to liberate us. That is living in the fear of God, Uh, and if we live like that, a culture of honor actually becomes a norm, and then we honor one another. If we learn to honor God, we actually also learn to honor one another. I love this. The church lived in the fear of God. It was aware of the presence of God. When you do that sin has no place. You don't feel comfortable with sin in the presence of God. It's impossible to enjoy the presence of God and at the same time to enjoy sin in your life. I tried it. It's impossible. One is going to extinguish the other. You either, you know, let sin Extinguish the presence of God in your life or you let the presence of God extinguish sin in your life. So uh, that's number three. I believe that God is actually going to increase the sense of his presence here. And he's going to teach us to honor his presence. And I believe that. We're just going to fall in love with His presence. And that this year, He wants to to manifest His presence in a fresh way in our midst. Amen? So that was number three. A church that lived in the fear of God. Let me me read that scripture once again. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed the time of peace. That was number one. It was strengthened. It was built up. That was number two. It was living in the fear of the Lord. That is number four, n- number three. And then fin- uh, Then two more things. <laughs> Here is uh, number four. It multiplied. It multiplied. I'm going to give a number. Actually, this is like in, in English rendition. This is the last thing. But I'm going to give number four. Sorry, number five first. And then I'm going to go to number four. Did I lose you? It's all right. It's all right. So the church multiplied. Number four is it multiplied. Uh, In other words, it grew, it abounded, it increased, it numerically multiplied. So we are talking about a multiplying church, a church that, uh, that grew in size. I love this fact. Somebody did a statistic from the North American context um, and um, we are actually a part of this network called Exponential. And the research was done on thousands of churches and here are the results. Most of the churches are declining, meaning they have less and less believers, less and less people. Uh, Some churches are plateauing. In other words, they are in a survival mode, kind of keeping the same size over time. Then, hallelujah, there are the growing churches. I don't know about you, but this pastor would love this to be a growing church. (laughs) Then there are the growing churches, and we should be excited about that. Uh, And then number four, level number four, or churches... Uh, that are from level four, would be called the reproducing churches. Churches that are actually planting or starting new congregations, new churches. These churches are becoming mother churches to other churches. And then level five is what we call multiplying churches. Those are churches that are actually becoming movements and networks, reaching other areas, sort of apostolic centers. Now, and the research actually says that there is only 4% of level 4 and level 5 churches. Only 4% of churches are actually reproducing and multiplying. Friends, it is my dream that we will be a multiplying church. You know, I'm happy for this place. I'm happy for what God has done, you know, in these last six months. I thank God every day for you. I'm a happy pastor. I love you guys. You know, and uh, this is small enough for me to actually know your names. I mean, I try my best. But God has something bigger in mind. And I believe that. Just like the churches here that we read about, that multiplied. This is the pattern of every living thing that God created. And there is, a, there is a multiplication DNA that He put into us as a church. I love the fact that anytime soon, I may become a grandfather. Hallelujah. Nobody knows the hour nor the day when the Son of Man comes. This could be. This could come anytime. I love the fact that our family is in a multiplication process. Yesterday, just gonna get emotional a bit. Yesterday, we had a fiftieth anniversary of my parents. Uh, You know, it's a beautiful story. I'm not gonna go into that. But uh, yesterday, we also saw the first great grandchild of my parents in the living room and it was it was such a beautiful atmosphere of seeing a multiplication happen from two people to more than 20 in 50 years and God is doing that in church as well i believe that we're supposed to be an apostolic hub that becomes a birthbed for many more churches to be started and for other ministries to come out and, and for, for a fresh move of the Spirit of God, a revival reaching uh, the generations in the city and the nations in the city and then from here to other places as well. Somebody should get excited about this. So the church multiplied, and I speak that prophetically over us. That it's a time of growth and reproduction and multiplication. I love the fact that as the church here was persecuted, it was dispersed. It had to go into hiding, and it it was scattered in the region. But now, after some time, as, as they were scattered... Those people became like seeds in soil. And harvest started to come. Multiplication started to come. And so finally, the last thing, the last thing, it experienced the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It said that the Bible says here that the church grew it multiplied by the consolation of the Holy Spirit. By the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the church experienced the beautiful ministry of the Holy Spirit, and this is how everything else was happening through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Greek language, the the word that is used here is is the word parakletos, which actually means someone. Who is called to stand by my side. In the New Testament, this is one of the titles for the Holy Spirit. And different translations were it in different ways. A comforter, counselor, advisor, a guide. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit for us individually, but also for us as the church. The Holy Spirit is the parakletos. He is the one who gives leadership to the church, who gives guidance. His presence brings comfort uh, to us. And the church grows. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit calling. Somebody answer. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit calling. Maybe it's the baby. The babies maybe. Maybe the baby's coming. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the baby coming. Maybe the baby's coming. Help him, Jesus. The church grew by the consolation of the Holy Spirit, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I want to say this in a very humble way. We try to do our best, but we have no tricks. I, I don't really know how to do this. It has to be God. We are going to try our best, we will preach like crazy, we will try to be wise stewards, we will go out on the streets and evangelize. But at the end of the day, it's got to be the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It has to be Him. We can only do so much. It has to be the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to make a confession. The Holy Spirit, you have a full invitation to be the Lord of this church. And Holy Spirit, I, as a, even as a pastor, I want to give you the keys to this church. This is your place. And I want to invite you this year, this season, to take us into what you have for us. I speak that in Jesus' name for us as the church this community. I love this. Growth and multiplication is happening where there is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, where there is the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church. It doesn't happen because of the latest technique. It happens because of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I love everything about the Holy Spirit. I love His presence. I love his gifts. I love the chills. Do you know the chills when the Holy Spirit touches you and you're like, oh, oh. do it again, Jesus. I love that. I, I love that. I also I I maybe I don't love his disturbing voice so much. But I love that. Without him, my life. I can't imagine my life without Him. I definitely could not face the challenges in my life, in my personal life, as well as in our ministry life. The Holy Spirit totally changed my life. And I want to say that He is not just a self-serving manifestation. He actually does have a plan for us in this season. And as we step into this season together as a church, I want to say that He is the boss. He is not some kind of a charismatic extreme. He actually is the boss in this church. He's not just a phenomena of some marginal Christian group. He is actually the mainstream, if you know what I'm talking about. Holy Spirit is actually, this this is His place. This is his temple. So this year, 2022, we are going to be a church that experiences a season of peace. I declare that in Jesus name. We're going to be a church that will be built up. Well, it's a time of construction church. It's also a place where we cultivate the honor for God, honoring God. The fear of the Lord. And it will also be a time of multiplication. And first of all, it's a time of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because he's the, he, it's all about him anyway. He's the co author of the church, he's the key to revival. He is the key to awakening. I love the fact that what started as a small, behind-the-curtains kind of a movement in the upper room in Jerusalem, is now a worldwide movement, shaking this planet, guys. What started or what was resurrected, what came back to life, Roughly a hundred years ago, with a simple story, January 1st, 1901, at the very beginning of the 20th century. A girl who was a Bible college student in Texas was filled with the Holy Spirit and started to speak in tongues. And friends, that sparked... And move of the Holy Spirit that hasn't stopped till this day. And I love the fact that it spread like a wildfire to all the nations around this planet. Some of the nations that you guys represent have been visited heavily by the Holy Spirit. And my cry is, Jesus, what you have done in many places in Africa and and Latin America, and many Asian nations. Would you do that in the post-Christendom, civilized, urban Europe? That is my heart's cry. You know, Europeans have been so proud of being the cradle of civilization. But somehow we have pushed out the presence of the Holy Spirit. But friends, I believe it's time. It's time for the Holy Spirit to visit Europe. It's time for the Holy Spirit to visit this nation. It's definitely time for the Holy Spirit to visit this city. There is a hunger being stirred in the young generation especially. We see that there is an invitation of us crying to Him. Come, visit us. Awaken us. And I believe deep in my spirit that it's time for Him to do that. And I want to challenge us to anticipate that, to expect Him to move in a special way this year in our midst. You know, the Holy Spirit is a powerful partner. The book of Isaiah says that He's... uh, Chapter 11, that he is a spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of of mind. There is like seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. He is a powerful partner. Jesus said that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to become his witnesses. It is. He is a powerful partner. I love that. Jesus said that. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then you will know that the kingdom of God has come to you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Without Him, we cannot do anything. But with Him, man, we are dangerous. The church of the Holy Spirit is dangerous. So friends, how about we stand at the closing of this message? Five words for this next season as we close the Awakened series. Would you say this with me? Word number one is peace. A season of peace in Jesus' name. The second word is construction season. Help me out. Construction. All the guys, get your muscles ready. Alright. Here is number three. Number three is... Uh, um, I, got, I, <laughs> I almost lost it. Let me call it a culture of honor. Okay, a culture of honor, honoring the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number four is multiplication. Multiplication, and number five, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Holy come on, come on! Just so, let's just for the next one or two minutes, let us let us just uh, um, together as one spiritual family. Let us step into that. Let us declare that. For this season. For 2022. This is your church. This is your time Jesus. Let's declare a season of peace. Season of multiplication. Fear of God. Construction. Come on. Hallelujah. We invite you Holy Spirit. Into our own lives.